Well, good morning. I have to tell you, it is hard to believe that this day has finally come. Honestly, it feels like it was just a short time ago that I was standing for the first time in front of all of those kids and then coming up to this pulpit, looking out at so many faces that I can't tell you how happy I am to see here today. Of course, there are certainly a lot of other faces that were here with us on that first Sunday all those years ago who aren't here, and I miss them, as well as so many new faces that have joined our church family over these last nine and a half years. That first Sunday, if you can believe it, was way back in July of 2013, and somehow in what seems like a flash of light, here we are on the precipice of the year of our Lord, 2023. And after nearly 10 years of getting to stand in or near this pulpit each and every Sunday, as well as for so many baptisms, weddings, and funerals, I'm now standing here for one final time as your rector. I used to wonder what it meant when I heard my grandparents say to each other, where has the time gone? Well, today I finally get it. Where has the time gone. Over these past few weeks, as this Sunday has been getting closer and closer, I found myself trying to avoid thinking about it by retreating into the many good memories of the past and celebrating in my heart all that we've accomplished together as priest and parish here at All Saints. And as I've thought back and smiled, there has not been a moment when I have not found myself thanking God over and over again for bringing me to you. As I said in my sermon last Sunday, as much as I have been told so many times about how all those years ago All Saints was praying for just the right kind of priest who might step in and help to mend some of the tears and lesions this great old church had endured in its recent past, what I don't think many of you realize is that at that very same time, I was the priest who was praying just as hard for a church like you that might help me heal my own wounds and step back into this pulpit. I was praying hard for a church that would let me, after my own time in the wilderness and in the desert, be again the kind of priest, friend, teacher, and pastor that God has always called me to be. Brothers and sisters, we were the answers to each other's prayers. And just look at what we have been able to accomplish in these nine and a half years together in God's church here in this community. No, we haven't accomplished every goal, nor have we been able to avoid the tough struggles that life, culture, and a pandemic continue to throw at us. But brothers and sisters, we have endured together. We have persevered together and we have pushed onward following God as a church family. And today, brothers and sisters, this church is a church that is strong in the Holy Spirit, as well as a church that has maintained its center on the one thing that matters above everything else, and that is Jesus Christ. As this final Sunday came upon me, I have found myself sitting with so many of you and being told time and time again how thankful you are for what I have done for this church. 
I've certainly appreciated each and every one of those kind words, even if I've struggled to accept it myself completely. For none of us can ever accomplish anything without each other and without God's unfailing love and support because all things come from God and God alone. We are just the hands and the hearts called to put God and Christ in action in our families, in our church, and in the world. For me, as your priest and rector, I have a, if I have accomplished anything, it's only because I've tried to follow one simple but serious directive from the very start. It comes from St. Bernedict of Nursia, that won't surprise many of you, for me, who laid before those who were called to be abbots and leaders in the Christian communities and churches he helped establish over 1,500 years ago. If you replace the fancy monastic word abbot in the second chapter of Benedict's Rule with the more familiar title for us in the Episcopal Church of Rector, St. Benedict's warning to those of us who take on that title is quite sobering. St. Benedict writes, the rector must always remember that what he is and remember what he is called, aware that more will be expected of a man to whom more has been entrusted. He must know what a difficult and demanding burden he has undertaken, directing souls and serving a variety of temperaments, coaxing, reproving, and encouraging them as appropriate. He must so accommodate and adapt himself to each one's character and intelligence that he will not only keep the flock entrusted to his care from dwindling, but will rejoice in the increase of a good flock. Above all, he must not show too great concern for the fleeting and temporal things of this world, neglecting or treating lightly the welfare of those entrusted to him. Rather, he should keep in mind that he has undertaken the care of souls for whom he must give an account. Whatever the number he has in his care, let him realize that on judgment day, he will surely have to submit to a reckoning to the Lord for all their souls and indeed for his own as well. I have to tell you, maybe it's because I grew up as a Baptist, but that directive carries with it some pretty heavy implications for those of us brave enough to take religious vows, wear priest collars and the traipse around in fancy clerical garb on a Sunday morning. But brothers and sisters, I hope you've been able to sense that I firmly believe that what St. Benedict captures here is the sincere earnestness of my own vocation. For it is nothing less than the care and the cure of your souls. And that's what I have tried to be about above everything else in the midst of our time together. For me, it is a tremendous honor we clergy are given to be invited into so many people's lives. It is amazing to be giving the joy of being with you when your children are born as well as with you in the sadness when a family member you love passes away. It is a great honor for us to be invited to sit with you when something tough or shocking happens in your life and to pray with you when you or someone you care about feels like the way has been lost and that there is nothing but darkness in the world. How incredible it is 
to be asked to bind couples together in marriage and to bless them as they celebrate their years together as a family. And what a gift it is to be given the opportunity to teach those who come to the church about the deep, enriching spiritual life practice and history that is our Christian faith, as well as bring them closer to God's word in the Bible. That's the immense honor I have been given to be your priest. So when people tell me I've done a great job, what I want to say is that this is just the kind of work God has given me to do. And it requires the full engagement and trust and friendship of each and every one of you. And I could never have accomplished any of it without that help, trust, and love you have extended to me and my family. And for that, I will always thank you. There's no question that as I've been thinking about all of this, my family and I have also found ourselves pushing through a rather tough week. My wife Audrey has pretty much been working nonstop to tear apart our house, to make all the calls, to work with the moving company to get us ready for this impending move to someplace called Alabama. And while she's been doing that, my daughter Aoife has been finishing her final semester of San Jose Episcopal Day School, saying her own tough goodbyes to her friends and her teachers there. As for me, I've tried my best every day to not miss out one more opportunity to visit, to spend time, to pray with so many of you, as well as with my best friends here at All Saints, who are my amazing staff, who I've been blessed to work with and minister with across all of these years. Take all of that and throw in the Christmas holiday and that's about all a guy can handle. <laughs> of course, you don't have to be getting ready to pack up and move away to another state for this to be a particularly tough time of year for all of us. All of us can be weighed down by what this holiday time brings upon us. Maybe it's just the busyness that comes from adding shopping to your already overburdened day-to-day work and family life. Maybe it's tough because you're missing someone that you've lost and you're just fed up with all the Christmas carols trying to tell you over and over again that this is the most wonderful time of the year when you yourself know it is not. Maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you're just tired and exhausted. For so many of us, that's what's going on right now. And yet, deep inside, there is this wonderful story that we just heard the beginnings of in this morning's gospel according to Matthew. It's there still grabbing at our hearts, still drawing us to its wildness and its excitement and its hope. Audrey and I, thanks be to God, in the midst of this crazy life we've been living right now, heard that story again at just the right moment in our daughter's beautiful Christmas program at her school last Tuesday. Yes, it was everything you know these programs are to be. Children dressed up as angels and shepherds and townspeople in Bethlehem. Mary wearing the same old blue gown and Joseph following her around looking like he doesn't quite know where he's going. <laughs> and yes, even in the end, they eventually are kneeling together at that manger with angels being heard on high once in Royal David City on a silent night, holy night, while shepherds watch their flock by night. 
But you know what? This year, in the middle of all of this, as I watched it and listened to the voice of children telling this incredible story to me and a busy adult and to all the other adults who were taking time to gather there, the story of the incarnation of God, God come to be in the midst of his people. As I thought about it, I began to tear up just like that. And I began to cry. I realized in that moment that in the midst of everything, that story is all that matters. That baby, Jesus Christ, God with us, is he who comes to save you and to save me. Those words from the Bible are why we are here today and why I have been with you for all these years and why we will go forward continuing to follow God and making sure that that story keeps being told. Because right here, right now, someone in this church needs to hear it again. Someone needs to be pulled out of the craziness, out of the darkness of this fallen world, back into the light that can only come from the story of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Not born in some great castle or out of riches, but born in a horse's stall, in an animal's trough, so that he might catch all of us and offer all of us the hope of his saving life and grace. Jesus is the center of it all. And above everything else, brothers and sisters, we've managed to do together. Everything we've accomplished as priest and parish. I hope and pray that is what we have been able to do the most for each other during my time here with you at All Saints. And I want you to know, you've done it for me. And for the rest of my life, I will thank God for this time together. And I will trust God to keep us focused on what's the most important, sharing the good news of Jesus with a world that needs it so badly. You need it, and this world needs it. May we have the strength to go together forward as brothers and sisters in Christ, sharing Christ and the light of the world with everyone. Thank you. Amen.